Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Balls Over the Safety podcast. It's the NFC and AFC Championship Games. Oh, boy. And we're very excited here. I'm your host, Michael Rock. And I'm Brendan Collins. And yes, we have two great matchups on this NFL Sunday. And really, this is where you separate the men from the boys. I mean, sometimes you could argue these games are more consequential or even more competitive than the Super Bowl itself. Mm-hmm. And then other times they're absolute blowouts. Yeah. And so, really, I think we have two prime cut, grade A, oh, yeah. grass-fed awesome matchups this weekend and really it's kind of as if we're looking at the end of a chapter and the beginning of a new one i mean you have the old guard and really you could argue two of the if not two of the biggest if not you know the two biggest titans at their positions over the last decade facing off in one and then in the other you have the two young guns the gunslingers uh two Mm -hmm. Improvisers. Yeah, both both athletic quarterbacks get it done with the feet, but are, both have crazy arms. Yeah, I mean, they're really breaking the mold of what was typically thought of as the NFL quarterback. Yeah, well, and really it's a combination of both molds. You know, it's the, the scrambler, the runner, and it's a, also then you're having the big arm talent, which you thought was only ever going to be available from like a pocket type guy, like one of those big 6'6", lumbering 280 pounds, throwing the ball. Crazy. Yeah, and I mean, if you think about it, the two quarterbacks playing in the NFC championship game, you could argue helped pave the way and blaze the trail mm-hmm. that these two young guns are currently on. But it came this way on the schedule, so I think it's where we're going to start ourselves, and that's with the NFC Championship game at 3 o'clock on Sunday. And we have the Green Bay Packers at home in Lambeau Field hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Tom Brady on his new team in his new conference. Going for a championship. What Tom Brady typically does. But he's never played... Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. He's never played at Green Bay in the playoffs. And those are two daunting things. And then on the other side of it, though, there's the man who has a lot more to prove here, I'd argue. Aaron Rodgers, 37 years old, so he's a few years younger, but only that one Super Bowl, and he's itching for another. Yeah. So I got to ask, we have two legends here, two future Hall of Famers. But if you're picking one quarterback to start for you this Sunday, who would you rather have, Brady or or Aaron Rodgers? To win one game? Yeah, for for this Sunday. If you have to coach a game for the NFC NFC Championship game and they decided before the game they were going to put the rosters in the paper shredder and pick it like it was recess, you got first pick. Who are you picking? I think I'm going Aaron Rodgers, man. It's his 16th season. He's been good for a very long time. He's got nine Pro Bowls. He's got three All-Pro seasons. He's a top-level quarterback. He's got an amazing arm. He's got a keen sense for the for the game. And I think he's been impressive in times where both the system around him and 
some of the talent around him haven't been impressive. And I think that bolsters his argument. I think that's definitely valid. But I think it's really hard to argue against Tom Brady. I mean, when you look at what his body of work, his resume, the six Super Bowls, the three MVPs, three-time All-Pro, 14 Pro Bowls, virtually writing the record book as he goes along, especially now with Drew Brees out of the picture, he's just going to run away with all of them. And he's been there before. I mean, he knows how to play in the playoffs. He's knows how to avoid the pressure. He knows how to not make the mistake, which when you get to this part of the season, it becomes so much more about not forcing it, taking what the defense gives you, and not doing the kicking yourself and, and knocking yourself out of the game. I mean, you could argue that's the staple of what made Bill Belichick and Tom Brady so successful. It was, you know, on third and seven, throwing it away and punting it instead of throwing it into double coverage, and then the other team has a shortened field. I mean, there's countless times that we have seen Brady's, not even necessarily physical abilities, but his ability to read the game and avoid mistakes, carry his team deep in the playoffs. While I agree Aaron Rodgers is an infinitely better physical specimen, and I'm very much on the fence here. I mean, it's all said and done, I might take Aaron Rodgers too. I think it's very hard to write off Tom Brady. I th- yeah, I mean, this, I think it's really splitting hairs. In, in, in this question, in this debate. But looking beyond the quarterbacks, there's a lot of things at play here. A lot of of differences about these teams. The Packers have kind of a old faithful kind of guard in there along with Aaron Rodgers. You have Aaron Jones, you have Devontae Adams, you have some of these guys that were drafted by Green Bay have built this chemistry up with Aaron Rodgers. And that's a huge benefit of how they play. I mean, many times you see play breaks down or, you know, Aaron Rodgers is doing something on the circus and him and Devontae Adams are just on the same page, you know? Well, and, and they're able to just read each other off just simple things from 20 yards away. Well, and they on know how, exactly, they know how like each other's going to react. Exactly. You know, if, if the pocket's breaking down a certain way, Devontae knows how Aaron's going to break out of it, and Aaron knows the way is going to start breaking his route in order to make the adjustment and create the big play. And, and so they have a really special chemistry there. You look on the other side, and this it is, is a, just championship mercenaries. Yeah, you look on the other side, and on on Tampa, it's just it seems like they just went and they picked you know the 2016 All Star teams, and just started they were going to start pulling players off of it. I mean, you have Shady McCoy, you have Leonard Fournette, you have Ronald Jones, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, who is injured though. He's he's not going to be playing this week. It did come out. But then also Rob Gronkowski, I mean, Cameron Brait. There's guys on this team that their names have been around, even on the defensive side of things. I mean, you have... you got Devin White. Well, Devin White is a young phenom who's really, the I think, the most talented player on that defense. Levante David's spectacular, but... Jason Pierre-Paul. I was more making the reference about the 2016 All-Star team with Ndamukong Sue and Jason Pierre-Paul being the anchors of that defensive front. yeah. And so... And then you got Bruce Arians, the ageless wonder at head coach. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, 
how much of a parallel that is to this young Matt LaFleur offense, mm-hmm. young gun, you know, young gun NFL hotshot head coach. Mm-hmm. And remember, there's also this weird lingering factor that the Packers did draft Jordan Love in the first round, and so there's this now motivation or competition that Aaron Rodgers has that he's never faced since he was the one in the role reversal, sneaking up on Brett Favre. Exactly. So there's a lot of parallels in this game, even though on the surface we kind of branded it as the two legends, the two big quarterbacks, the Titans, you know, going at each other. Not the Titans because they're at home in Tennessee. But there's so many interesting trends with these two teams. It seems like this Tampa team is pretty much Super Bowl or bust. I mean, whether it's this year, whether it's next year, they're going all in with this group of older guys, Mm -hmm. stretching the cap to the limit. And this is a Green Bay team that's very much year two of a new head coach Try even just planting the seeds of their long-term view. Mm-hmm. But, oh, yeah, we have Aaron Rodgers, so we're just going to steamroll into the playoffs. Oh, yeah, well, it was going to be a pretty quick turnaround with that new head coaching hire, especially considering how, how weak it had been beforehand. So one thing that's really fascinating me here is going to be the running back matchup. You know, we've had very much a running back by committee on both sides. Mm-hmm. Obviously, anchored. The Packers are more anchored by Aaron Jones mm-hmm. than anybody else. I mean, really, a just a Swiss Army knife of a player. It reminds me, kind of like an Alvin Kamara, in a sense. I just think used less creatively. Yes, you know, if Aaron Jones were on that Saints team, you could almost use him the exact same way that Sean Payton uses. He's not quite the route runner that Kamara is. But he, but he does have that like hit the line explosive speed that is. Well, and you wonder how much that was something that was drilled into Kamara during practices and training camps, True. and you know they were especially remember when Kamara got to that team, they still had Mark Ingram, and so he wasn't even expect he was being used primarily as the gadget mm-hmm. change of pace back, and then. They realized he could do it all. Mm. Aaron Jones just kind of became the lead horse out of what has always been a weird Green Bay committee stable of of running backs. And Aaron Jones has just proven himself over the last three years, really, Mm -hmm. as just far and away the the lead back there. And Mm -hmm. so we have him headlining that stable, and then we have this... Tampa backfield, which had Ronald Jones drafted just a few years ago as a lead back. They bring in Leonard Fournette, who was one of the workhorses of the NFL until that whole blow-up happened in Jacksonville. Yeah. And these are two teams that, despite this talent at running back, this versatility at running back... It's so quarterback-centric. I mean, you could have these quarterbacks each passing for 50 times in a game, and that's not an yeah, outlier. It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be weird. And so I think whichever one of these running games is more successful could very well 
decide this game because whoever controls the run game controls the clock. Mm -hmm. And whoever controls the clock in this game, this very much could be about who gets the ball last or who's able to manipulate that, you know, that very, very crucial last possession of the first half into who's getting ball to start the second half. Yeah, managing, getting your Because that could be a 14-point sway depending on how it's, how it's done. So I think really the running game is going to be crucial. So I asked you a similar question about the quarterbacks. I want to get your opinion on the running games here. Would you rather have that Aaron Jones-led stable in Green Bay or the one-two punch of Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette? I'm sticking with Green Bay in this one. I think Aaron Jones is a workhorse back by himself, and I think they've got, you know, an impressive roster behind him. I think the rookie, A.J. Dillon, had a very good season. He's been pretty impressive. He's shown flashes of being a weapon, again, both in the run game and in the passing game. I think, I mean, Leonard Fournette's been really good this year. He's got, like, I think five point three yards per touch in the playoffs so far. But Aaron Jones is beating him, man. He's got 7.3 yards per touch. And if you're running back, averaging 7 yards per touch, things tend to go well. You tend to keep getting first downs, keep moving chains, hold the ball, and maintain possession. It works out well for you. Yeah, I'm not going to doubt you there. The thing about both of those yard per touch averages is you're cranking out first downs no matter what. Yeah, on both these sides. Yeah. On both sides of that. And I'm going to angle this a different direction, though, and say maybe qual- qualify the question a little bit more mm-hmm. and say if my goal is to be using the run game to control the clock and complement my quarterback's ability... I would much rather have the Leonard Fournette-Ronald Jones combination Mm -hmm. because I think they are both more talented between the tackles and as pure running back, you know, north-south ball carriers. Yeah, get through. Not as much playmakers where I think Aaron Jones is the best playmaker Mm -hmm. of the group. But, you know, it's kind of like comparing – Alvin Kamara to like a Dalvin Cook or Derrick Henry. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's or like, like yeah. it, it's like yes. Christian McCaffrey versus Derrick Henry. You know, it's, exactly. They're, they're very they're, different. And that's not to say inherently over a big picture or over a season. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't prefer Aaron Jones. I mean, if you're asking me which one of these I'd rather on my fantasy team for 2021, it's Aaron Jones ten times over. Right. You know what I mean? But for one game, if the running backs are being used to try and control control the clock, which, again, I think this game could come down to who's able to establish the run game because, really, establishing the run game is almost a synonym of winning the battle at the line of scrimmage. Right. Because if you're winning in the run game, then you're usually able to set up the play-action pass where both of these quarterbacks thrive. You're forcing them to stack the box and play honest you know right. up front so that opens up the deep passing game which both of these offenses thrive on the deep yeah. ball yeah i mean tom brady loves 12 personnel throwing with you know both his, his tight ends getting cameron 
Cameron Braid and Gronk in there. Yeah. And so I think if it's up to me and I have to choose a running back committee for trying to win this game, I would go with Fournette and Jones. Again, not arguing with you on – or sorry, not – not yes, it is. They're well, both Jones. Yeah, they're yeah. both Jones. Not – Saying that Aaron Jones again, I think Aaron Jones is the biggest playmaker. If you're saying who do, who could make who could have the biggest impact on the game, I would even still say Aaron Jones. But I'm at the, my question was more who would you rather have, and I think I'd go with with the Buccaneers duo. Mm-hmm. I think I think I would go for the uh, the big the biggest swing. I'm going for the biggest playmaker. I'm taking I'm taking Jones in this one. Well, that'll kind of round us into, really, our formal business here. Let's get down to the brass tacks. And we're doing it? Yeah, why, why don't we? We have an over-under in this game of 52 points, which seems a little high to me, only because it's being played in Lambeau, which it's always tough to play up there. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked at how low-scoring all of the divisional round games were. Even the wild card weekend games. They were very tightly contested. We've seen defenses really take over this postseason. And we were I felt like we were seeing it even reflected in a lot of the over unders. I mean, I feel like the, it's we were broken records the last few weeks ago and wow, that seems low. Mm-hmm. And yet here we are. I get it's Brady Rogers. I get it's the NFC championship game. Mm-hmm. But fifty two points, that seems like a lot. That was just my first gut reaction. I mean, you know, you could dissect it and think about it more and argue, you know, either one of these teams is almost more likely to score on a drive than punt considering their quarterbacks and the pedigree of the, in the postseason and the way that these quarterbacks are able to dominate defenses. But, you know, just calling it how I see it. The trends this postseason has been even prolific offenses. The Chiefs, the Bills, the Ravens. You name it, looking pedestrian and being held in check by these top-tier defenses. Yeah, and I mean, we've also seen the incredible performances from defenses of teams that have been eliminated. The Rams' defense, excellent this postseason. The Browns' defense, excellent this postseason. Yeah, both teams, you know, the, the Colts looked really good in their game against Buffalo, and that game came down to the wire. Yes. It came down to a Phillip Rivers Hail Mary, which got to give our props, announcing his retirement this week. Yeah. Philip Rivers, big ups to him. Yes, big fans. Yeah, here hopefully at he can BMTT. settle down and like start a family. You know, I know he's always wanted to. Yeah, it's always been a big dream of his. You know, have at least as many kids as playoff wins. Yeah, yeah, everybody needs that in their life. I'm already there. Oh yeah. So. 52, just gut reaction, seems high. And then the spread. Spread's exactly where I thought it would be. It is Green Bay minus three and a half. Tampa, the three and a half point underdogs, pretty much as we would have expected it. You know, the home team gets three points, so we're you're splitting hairs here. It's it's more or less a coin toss. And right now, the money line for those who would be interested, is minus 188 Green Bay plus 158 Tampa. So I'm putting you on the spot. Give me your picks here. What, what, what are you liking? How are you feeling? 
I think I'm going to go Tampa Bay. I think in the regular season, Tampa Bay won their matchup, and they did it by effectively shutting down Devontae Adams. They kept Aaron Jones in check. And last five games Aaron Rodgers played against the Buccaneers, including the one this this past regular season, he's turned the ball over every time. Tom Brady in his last four games against Green Bay, no turnovers. You keep the ball, you hold possession. I think you're going to come out ahead this one, and I'll take those three point, three and a half points because why not take the Tampa Bay side? On this over under fifty two, I I I would tell you to stay away from it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch over unders this weekend at I'm all. I'm gonna bet the push. <laughs> I'm I'm betting fifty two. I think it's gonna be exactly fifty two points scored this weekend. That's that's what I'm doing. I'm going on the nose. So that's an interesting point. I find it really fascinating that. You know, we put you on the spot. What quarterback do you want? I want Aaron Rodgers. What running back do you want in running attack? I want Aaron Jones. We're hyping up this Green Bay defense, and then all of a sudden, you're going with Tampa. It's just stupid to pick against Tom Brady. Yeah, but it's my favorite, which is why I'm going to go the opposite of you here. I'm taking Green Bay to win, and I'm taking them to cover that spread just because it's so low. I mean, yeah, I wish it were two and a half instead of three and a half. So yeah, that way right. I had that. I had that field, field goal, goal cushion. Yeah, yeah. this is it's rude. Yeah, it's it's impolite. You, you might as well go on the money line. Like, you're, oh, yeah. You're, I'm ignoring that spread. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But I tell you, this Green Bay team has looked like something special. And it's very difficult for a new quarterback to come in and just pick up his team and take him to the Super Bowl. And, you know, Tom Brady's not new to the NFL, but he's new to the NFC. Mm-hmm. He's not new to the offense, but he's new to the teammates. You know what I mean? Yeah, and he's never gone to Lambeau in January. Exactly. And so that's a tough place to play. And this Packers team is a way different Packers team than it was in Week 4. I think they got better throughout the season. Week 5. I think they got better throughout the season. I think they got more efficient offensively and defensively. I think Matt LaFleur grew tremendously as a coach this season. And so no disrespect to Tampa, no disrespect to Bruce Arians, whom I have tremendous respect for, but I really think it's more likely than not that the Packers find a way to get it done at home with some fans in the stands, with the weather on their side. And, you know, it's really hard to beat a good team twice in one season. And as far as that over-under goes... I'm not going to cop out of it like you. I'm going to actually pick one of them here. I did. I hey, I picked. I went even crazier. I said it was going to be 52 points exactly. I think I'm going to go with the under. Like I said, I'm going to go with my gut reaction that this seemed high to me because we've seen good defense shut down good offense. Doesn't always happen, and we could very well see these two quarterbacks rise to the occasion. Again, my gut reaction is stay away from it. But if I'm making a pick, let's go with the under. Because both of these defenses are capable of 
disrupting the quarterback, disrupting the offense. And I think there's a lot on the line. I think we're going to see we're going to see a lot more defensive plays than we thought. But moving on from that game, moving on from the quarterbacks of the last decade and a half, we have what I imagine will be the quarterbacks of the next decade and a half. Tom Brady's been in two decades. I know. I was just. I know, but I'm just. It still just blows my mind. But now we've got we've got a three-year and four-year quarterback facing off against one another. Yeah, really exciting matchup coming ahead right after that NFC matchup. At 640, we have the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Buffalo Bills, and everybody's mind was on the same thing this week after seeing that terrifying moment where Patrick Mahomes nearly collapsed, got up woozy after being tossed around like a rag doll. He was put into concussion protocol. The Chiefs barely held on and snuck out with a win against Cleveland. Chad Henney doing it. Chad Henney getting it done exactly. Huge, huge run on third and 15. Andy passing on fourth and one. Exactly. Un- unbelievable game. Just tons of fun to watch. And then, of course, all eyes in the country were on whether or not Pat Mahomes was going to clear concussion protocol in time. Well, fear not, football fans, because as of today, our boy Adam Schefter reporting, Mahomes cleared concussion protocol. He's good to go. He's 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 ready. ready to play. He's practiced two days. He's good. And that is a huge thing because really just for the good of the game, I mean, even if you are a Buffalo fan, you got to be sitting there hoping that you're getting the Chiefs at their best. Mm -hmm. And I think they will be. I mean, Andy Reid is on a roll. It seems like he's just getting better and better Mm -hmm. every year. That offense is incredible. The weapons between Mikael Hardman, Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill – Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Le'Veon Bell in the running backs, Damian Williams. I mean, it's just non-stop action coming from that team. Yeah, the list goes on and on. And then on the defensive side, they're not slacking off either. I mean, Chris Jones, defensive tackle, incredible. Third best in the NFL. Yeah, and then, of course, you got the Honey Badger in the secondary just flying around the field, making huge plays. Yeah, big hitter. Ball hawk, all around, can play the slot, can play cornerback, can play free safety, strong safety. Just an absolute menace in that backfield. Well, and then you look on the other side of things, and this Buffalo team has just got so many different areas to be excited about. Sean McDermott has done an incredible job, making me wish he stayed here in Philadelphia. Oh. Look at the culture he's built. The culture he's built. The defense he's able to build, around, you know, still based around that relentless Jim Johnson defense. And yet, the most impressive thing about this team has been the strides that Josh Allen has taken year in and year out since coming into the league three years ago. I mean, not only with his legs, not only with his physicality, but his arm is becoming one of the most impressive in the league. Uh, His accuracy continually improving, constantly improving his completion percentage. And his decision-making has been consistently improving. I mean, he's been way more careful with possession. I mean, you could just see the way his interceptions went down so much this year. 
because he stops putting the ball up in those risky positions. And, you know, a lot of that, though, I think comes from the weapons. You look at Stephon Diggs, you look at John Brown. I mean, this is now a team where there are guys getting open when he can throw the ball up to people, and even Cole Beasley, he can throw the ball to people who are going to get open and make somebody miss as opposed to feeling like he had to do it all himself. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the Chiefs, in many people's minds, are some – Clear-cut favorites here. I mean, third consecutive season hosting the championship game here and defending Super Bowl champions. And you have, you know, Pat Mahomes, who's the defending Super Bowl MVP, and prior to that, regular season MVP, and all the fireworks there. But, you know, I said during the wild card round, whoever won that Colts-Bills game, I could see upsetting the Chiefs and making it to the Super Bowl, and I stand by that. I mean, this Bills team is no joke. It should not be taken lightly. But I asked you the same question before, and I'll ask you again. Just to win 60 minutes on Sunday. You taking Josh Allen or you taking Pat Mahomes? If, I, if I'm the coach, if I am holding the clipboard and I have the face shield and a visor and I'm trying to get it done, I think I'm taking Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen is... Just he's my type of player, man. He's just he's got that level of grit, his frame and his size, and his ability to move at that frame and size, just gives you such a advantage in being able to scheme up against different defenders. I mean, Patrick Mahomes' arm is extremely impressive, but I I think pass for pass, Josh Allen can match him and I think he's got more room to grow I mean Patrick Mahomes is great already and his floor is super high and his ceiling is probably incredibly high I mean it's it's somewhere we we can't even really figure out yet it's only his fourth year in the league but I think I'm going to go with Josh Allen see out of every take I've ever heard you make on this show that might be the most outrageous and by the way no disrespect to Josh Allen I loved, I loved approaching this conversation. I figured you, that might be your answer. I mean, he's been incredibly impressive this year. We were just talking about it, and I know you you have a bit of a soft spot for him. I know he's a uh, he's one of your favorite players to watch week in and week out. But if you just look at the resume, if you just look at the body of work, Patrick Mahomes is already Patrick Mahomes could retire tomorrow, and would probably be a first ballot Hall of Famer. The things he's done on the football field we've never seen, I think a lot of it comes to that baseball background. He channels a little bit of that Russell Wilson ability, Mm -hmm. but then has the cannon, the bazooka of Aaron Rodgers, of Ben Roethlisberger, of Brett Favre. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's, It's just this unbelievable. It's as if you took the best aspects of all of the greatest quarterbacks ever and merge them into one specimen, and you ended up with Patrick Mahomes, including Kermit the Frog's voice. I just am, I don't want to say amazed, because I realize the question was for one game, Mm -hmm. and so looking at the body of work in theory should go out the window, looking at, you know, Mm -hmm. 
but just what we have seen Patrick Mahomes do. I mean, even his overall record as a starter, which, by the way, Josh Allen's is not one to turn your nose up at either. I'm sure his record as a starter is very impressive at this point. But I'm pretty sure Pat Mahomes has still, like, less than 10 career losses, yeah, if I'm not it's, mistaken. It's something crazy. But I w- I'm going to defend myself on this one. I'm not Andy Reid. I'm not Sean McDermott either, but I'm not Andy Reid. I'm I'm not a quarterback. Whisperer. I'd say you're about a fifth. I'm yeah, <laughs> about a fifth of Andy Reid. I'm one shaving of Andy Reid, or a sliver. And they used to cut up pennies as actual currency. Yeah, I'm one of those. But I, I'm I, I'm not a quarterback whisperer. I think Patrick Mahomes has very much benefited from Andy Reid's coaching, from his ability to to draw out the best in his quarterbacks. I think he. He's the more raw product as a quarterback because of his athleticism, his ability to scramble, his ability to to do things. I don't know if I'd be able to hone that in as much as I think I could take advantage of the physical abilities that Josh Allen possesses. I could see that. On one hand, I could definitely see that, that you know Mahomes benefits from this incredible system. And therefore, he's able to flourish. But I also think the way that we see Patrick Mahomes make plays and improvise after plays have broken down Mm -hmm. is unlike any other. And and that, in many ways, is not coaching. I mean, yes, some aspects of that are coaching, like coaching the receivers that once the play breaks down, you break toward the sideline. Or, you know, Mm -hmm. there are things that become reactionary that were coached into you. But I think that Patrick Mahomes demonstrates that he would be a Pro Bowl All-Pro quarterback on 32 out of 32 teams in the yeah. NFL. I mean, no he'd no probably he'd probably be him. doing well if Jeff Fisher was coach. He'd probably bring Jeff Fisher above 10 wins. But I will agree with you that Josh Allen, it doesn't seem like, is in a system that is at least for any particular identifiable reason, spectacular. I mean, you don't see people poaching the Bills' offensive coordinator all the time. Or, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not a... It hasn't been an offense that has churned a lot of talk around the league, even though this year it's gotten incredible results. And so, very much to your point there, I just was fascinated. I mean, obviously, any GM... I, I think there are literally 30 GMs in the NFL that would be thrilled to have either of these quarterbacks yeah, to have the option. other than what maybe Baltimore. I was going to say other than Baltimore or Deshaun Watson, but even now, right now, the Texans, I'm sure, would be thrilled yeah. to make a swap for one of these two guys. You know, obviously there's some young guys that people might be saying, well, what about two or Kyler Murray? It's like, yeah, but Or I even don't know. Baker after this season. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's almost a compliment to Josh Allen that we're putting him up. I mean, really, you look at this, the way you judge quarterbacks who don't have Super Bowl rings is there's hardware, and Mahomes with the MVP, he's not only having the, he has got the MVP, the Super Bowl MVP, and the Super Bowl ring, obviously. You got Lamar with the regular season MVP. You know, beyond that, we, there aren't that many young quarterbacks that have any sort of major awards like that on their on their resume yet. Yeah, I mean it takes time. It takes developing into 
into the MVP level quarterback. I mean, I think Josh Allen put together a decent campaign for this year's. I I don't think he'll win it, but I think he should definitely be considered as like a finalist. Yeah, I mean, the whole MVP award is very interesting because I mean, it really there is only one, you know. And I remember Donovan McNabb finished follow you know runner up. In the MVP voting to Marshall Falk, I believe it was, in 2003. And then it's like, okay, well, he never got back there again. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's amazing how many great quarterbacks. You know, Ben Roethlisberger's never won an MVP. Eli Manning never won an MVP. Joe Flacco never won an MVP. You know, I think Matt Ryan did. I think Matt Ryan won a regular season. He did, So it's a weird list, the guys that can get that, you know, but it's obviously an accolade that carries a lot of weight. I mean... Matt Ryan at one point was the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. So it'll be interesting to see the way that Josh Allen's play gets recognized, you know, whether it is through awards and accolades, whether it is through pay and him being elevated on that level. Mm -hmm. But I think he's definitely played his way into that conversation this year. For sure. So we talked a lot about the quarterbacks. Let's take a look at some of the other aspects of this matchup. There are some really, really big names at the wide receiver on both teams. Mm-hmm. But really, the two that stand out. The two number ones. Are Tyreek Hill and Stephon Diggs. Two different kinds of receivers, but both of them usually get their hands all over the game. Absolutely. If you were picking one of them. Or rather, who do you think is going to end up with more yards in this game? Tyreek Hill... Or Stephon Diggs? That's a really good question. I mean, Stephon Diggs has had a career year this year. He's got 127 receptions and 100 or 1,535 yards in the regular season. In both postseason games this year, he's had 100 yards and a touchdown. Terry Kill's been a little bit quiet, but he's got six first downs last week. I mean, he just constantly is is getting his hands on the ball. And once he gets his hands on the ball, he's the fastest in the NFL. I mean, he can he can break a run at any given moment. I think it's going to be Tyreek Hill. I think because the Bills play such a zone-heavy defense, I think it gives Tyreek Hill the, the chance to find those soft spots in the zone, get to them because he's so much faster than everybody, and, and maybe take advantage, maybe crack up, crack up, open a run, and get down the field. Where are you at in this one? So I think, again, this is going to be a game of chance if you're playing this game here. I mean, both of these guys are guys who, as we just said, can take control of a game. But I think, you know, Stefan Diggs is more of your 300 hitter who maybe smacks 35 to 40 home runs where Ty- Tyron Matthew might be smacking 60 home runs, but he also strikes out quite a bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Obviously, they get the ball in Tyreek Hill's hands because he's such a playmaker. He's not. He does not go many, if not any, games without a touch. Oh, no. But Even in the run game. They he very home. much relies on the play where he's able to find that ounce of space, find that alley, and break it for big chunks of yards. Where Stefan Diggs, he'll be getting you the 15, 20, 25-yard plays once in a while, but also he's your guy on 
third and four catching the seven-yard slant over the middle and absorbing the hit from the safety and the linebacker. I mean, he's he's a possession route runner just as much as he is a deep threat or burner or big play waiting to happen. So while I think it's more capable, you know, if the question was which one of these guys is more likely to hit 200 yards on the day, I'd say Tyreek Hill every day of the week. But if it, who's likely to have more yards? I think Stefan Diggs is more consistently a cog in the Bills game plan and offense than Tyreek Hill is only because of the amount of options. You know, teams will strategize entirely to shut down Tyreek Hill and then Travis Kelsey will have a career day and Edwards Hilaire will have two touchdowns and you know it, it's Tyreek Hill doesn't need to be putting up that production for that offense to still operate. Stefan Diggs needs to be getting that production right now in order for the Bills to be having success on offense. And so I'm inclined to say that Stefan Diggs, because I think the Bills will have some success on offense, Stefan Diggs is bound to get his minimum 70 yards and... There's not a guarantee Tyreek Hill hits that. Obviously, he can he can hit 70 yards in one play if he wants to, mm-hmm. but that is a game breaking play, and you know the Bills are going to be doing everything in their possible to prevent that from ha- everything in their power to prevent that from happening. And he's gonna. I mean, both the both wide receivers do have tough matchups with the secondaries that they're facing off. I mean, Taron Johnson coming off a fantastic week last week, getting that hundred yard pick six, but you also, I mean, you've got T.R. Matthew, you've got a whole list of guys, and guys that have just been able to come in and step in for the, the Chiefs defense. I mean, not and, to mention, you know, Tredavious White is arguably the best cornerback in all of football. Right. I mean, not to take away from Jalen Ramsey, not to take away from some of the other very talented guys yeah. in the league, but... When it's all said and done, Tredavious White is as close to a shutdown corner as you get in the NFL as they come these days. So that's also a huge aspect on defense where even though the Chiefs do have defense, solid defensive players and even in their secondary, they don't have that number one pure shutdown, all pro defensive back like the Bills have in Tredavious White. Right. So there's definitely, like we said, a lot of aspects of this game that are really enticing. I mean, really have me just chomping at the bit. Yeah, yeah, edge of the seat. But I got to say, I was a little bit surprised here once again by the over-under. Over-under sitting up there at 54.5, which is chunky. That's a big that's a big number. I know again, these are two offenses that can, you know, on their own put up fifty four and a half points. But this is also with elevated consequences, you know, the season's on the line, pressure's on. I feel like fifty four is a pretty pretty big number. What do you think? I think jumping over. Fifty four and a half with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen at this point. I mean, and Patrick Mahomes 
six career playoff games, he's got 14 touchdowns. Josh Allen, he's got five touchdowns in his three playoff games. I think that number is only expected to increase. Yeah, that's a good point. I think we could definitely see that, and we have two coaches that know each other very well, mm-hmm. with McDermott having been one of Andy Reid's. How, how, was Andy Reid's defensive coordinator for a year? I think I agree with you here. I think we do see the over as well. I know I said it was high, but so is the scoring capacity of these two offenses. I fully expect to see these offensive playbooks on full display, reaching into every nook and cranny, every gadget, every sleight of hand, every slight piece of advantage that they could get over one another. I expect to see them utilizing, and this game is going to be a ton of fun. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see both teams getting over 100 yards on both the ground and in the air this game. Yeah, I think that's definitely a possibility, I, but at the same token, you never know. These are two teams that have been quick to occasionally throw away the run game, especially when they feel as though it's ineffective early on. We've seen each of these quarterbacks eclipse the 50 pass attempts mark this season. It seems like with regularity. And so, and if it gets to a shootout, it could go that way very quickly. And again, it doesn't even necessarily need to be a shootout, but if they just feel as though it's ineffective, and yet they're still picking up chunk yards through the air, we've seen both of these coaches show very little patience in letting that run game develop and materialize, especially if, you know, Handing it off, first down, second down, all of a sudden you're looking at third and eight, third and nines here and there, and you're relying on these quarterbacks to pull off some incredible play. It's, I understand getting discouraged, but I, I see this being a, a matchup where we definitely see the production coming through the air, and I think early production is going to be the main indicator as to whether or not these teams stick with the run. Well. The Chiefs are three-point favorites at home, getting the, that home, that home bump. Where are you, where are you going in this one? I'll tell you, I'm going to keep this one actually pretty simple. I think the Chiefs are going to win, and I I give them the win and the spread. Especially since we said over. I find it pretty crazy that there'd be a boatload of points scored, and it would be coming down to a field goal, especially with how ballsy these coaches are. We very, you know, we even saw this with Doug a lot. How many times was, were we saying, oh, he didn't take the points? And then, you know, it's almost like it's become unsexy in the NFL to take the points when they're presented to you now, if you even have a chance of converting the fourth down. And so I think we see, you know, if it is a six point game, they're not going to kick the field goal and make it a three-point game and then have it potentially be covering the spread and hope they can make a stop and get another field goal. No, they're going to be going for it and then seeing if they can get the touchdown and then if they hoping they can get the stop and then get a touchdown then. Like, they're, they're, that just seems to be the way things have been trending. And so I think it's more likely than not that there's a team going for a last-second Hail Mary for the tie or win with a touchdown rather than seeing a field goal margin 
when this thing's all said and done. I'm not saying that confidently. I said all along the Bills were my team that could upset the Chiefs. But I said could upset the Chiefs for a reason. The Chiefs are a juggernaut. The Chiefs are fantastic. As good as the Bills have been, as exciting as they've been, as impressed as I've been with McDermott and their defense and their Josh Allen and everything under the sun, I have not been discouraged enough by the Chiefs to warrant picking against them when really it seems as though they've pretty much just rolled all season, other than against John Gruden for some reason. They, he's a very good coach. Oh, well, that wasn't even taking shots. It was just weird that that's where they stumbled more than once. Yeah, against Derek Carr. I'm going with the Bills in this one. I like the Bills. I like the Road Dog, Bills Mafia. The defense of the Bills, I think, is a little bit more complete. And I think because of the importance of defense in this playoff series, I have to go with the better defense, and that's why I'm picking the Bills. And I'll take the three points. I think they're really just it's they're just the three point dogs because they're on the road. I think they have a very good chance to win this game, and I think it would surprise a lot of people. And I definitely, like I said, don't think that would be crazy. I've said since before the playoffs even started, they had a real chance of making a run, and I would almost prefer it. I would be really, I'm I'm very happy with both these teams. I'm happy with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid succeeding. And I would be really happy to see McDermott and the Bills take that step. And, you know, hopefully it's whoever wins that game against the Packers and then I can enjoy the whole Super Bowl. Or if the Bucks are there, I can aggressively root against Tom Brady. So no matter what, it should be a good couple of weeks. Yeah, this is going to be a win-win weekend for us no matter what. Well, I think that does just about wrap us up for the week. Yeah. We appreciate you guys listening as always. And want, would love to hear your thoughts. If you have any thoughts, Mahomes or Allen or Brady or Rogers, yeah. let us know. Throw it in the comments. Hit us up on socials. We'd love to hear a little bit more about what you guys think. And otherwise, we'll be back with you on Monday. Yeah, as always, we're available on Twitter and Instagram at B-O-T-T Podcast. And this podcast is available everywhere you can get podcasts. I've already seen, I've seen it played on a refrigerator. We can do it all. We can, we're everywhere. Thanks for listening, guys. Can't wait to be back with you. We'll be talking the McGregor fight, Eagles' new head coach, weekend soccer, and more on Monday. Oh, we've, so, got a, we've got a jam-packed show coming up. Cannot wait. Have a good one, guys. Happy weekend, everybody.